0: Welcome, you're listening to Living Faith Podcast. My message today, as has been announced, I begin a three-part series entitled Better Than Xanax. Today, I want to talk about the Lord's rest in reference to that. When I travel periodically, and I travel to middle America, I don't get really excited when the folks I'm with say, hey, why don't we eat at a seafood restaurant? Now, I'm sure they're fine, and they're decent seafood restaurants, but I live here where the fish jump out of the water and onto my plate where the crab are scurrying across the shorelines and onto the plate in nearby diners. I, I, I've just come to where I know better and so I'm not against seafood in the Midwest but you know what I know better seafood on the coast over the years, as our families matured, along with our finances, we've, we've discovered some items at the grocery that turn out to be better than items we'd chosen previously. For instance, all of our kids' lives around our house, if we were buying cheese, it was Kraft Cheese Singles. That's what we bought. It was a little individually wrapped cheese product. That's what we ate. And When our family was young, our finances were limited, we didn't even consider other options. It's what we could do. But somewhere along the line, we we bought some Tillamook cheese. Well, I feel the Holy Spirit. And and now I know better. I, I know better. The same could be true for our coffee taste. I remember on the job as a single twenty-something first started tasting coffee. A co-worker, we took a coffee break. He shared with me some of his coffee and I started drinking coffee there and in college and at first it was just, you know, the the, uh, vacuum sealed can at the grocery store. Well, now I have it shipped to my front door from a local roaster. I know better now. I know better now. Some of you are thinking, oh my, he's hooked. From time being, for the time being rather, thanks to COVID, illness is a topic of our everyday lives. Even so, humanity has long dealt with sickness. There was sickness in the old testament we read about it there was disease during the life of christ we read about it there was illness in the early church for this generation it could be argued that the last eighteen months have made us more aware of illness than we had prior but illness has been around for millennia i wonder what it's if we thought about it what's the the Christian response to sickness. I mean, when you become a Christian and a follower of Christ, a disciple, does that mean it's all healing and all miracles without any concern for doctors and medicine? Is that what happens? Or or is our dependency, we, we just write off miracles and healing in Scripture and it's all physicians and all medication and that's the way it is? Should our response be one or the other, or are both of these things worthwhile? Some years ago now, I bumped into an old acquaintance, someone I hadn't seen in probably more than 20 years. He came up and approached me, tapped me on the shoulder. I knew immediately who he was and the young woman beside me he introduced as his daughter but I knew it right away she was his daughter so much so that when he introduced her I immediately said you could be your mother's twin when I said it her eyes filled with tears before I could inquire I turned to her dad and His eyes, now moist, explained that his wife had passed just a few days prior. She died of cancer without medical treatment whatsoever. They had decided to pray and to seek God for her healing and not to consult doctors or accept any medication. Early last year at the beginning of COVID, a well-known evangelist in Pentecostal circles by the name of Eli Hernandez contracted a very severe case of COVID-19. For decades, this preacher, his ministry focused on prayer. He witnessed thousands of healings and miracles from the Lord. Obviously, he prayed for his own healing. His family prayed. Ministers and churches around the world prayed for Brother Hernandez's healing. And at the same time he sought doctor's care. He went into the hospital. He pursued every possible human cure. And While he and his family sought both God and medicine, unfortunately he passed on a ventilator and is with the Lord Jesus today. As a child, I've mentioned before to this congregation, as a child, my parents divorced. My natural father started pursuing hobbies that took him away from Jesus Christ. And within those hobbies, while ignoring Jesus, he began paying attention to other women. And his infidelity caused a divorce. For a dozen years, my mom raised my sister and I as a single parent, remarkably doing the work of two parents. Without question, my mom did an amazing job. I know you're watching, mom. I'd have said it if you weren't. You were awesome. And yet, as a boy and a teenager, I harbored anger at my natural father. And that harbored, held anger became bitterness. And at times that bitterness morphed into hatred. And that inner turmoil, it wasn't always on the surface, but it existed and it influenced my life nonetheless as a teen I surely didn't understand its effects until I was 20 years of age and I was in a church service in St. Paul, Minnesota. The preacher's sermon addressed bitterness and its destructive path. and At the conclusion of that sermon I I knelt to pray on the very end of the very front you, I could take you to the place today. And there I began to pray about bitterness and pray about my natural father and I asked God to heal me of that bitterness and anger and hatred. And he did. He took it away. It, it was gone. All of it toward my natural father. Never again has that been an issue in my life. I'm thankful that since my childhood I've been raised with a both and approach to healing and human medicine. We kept regular doctor's appointments, we visited when there was illness required, but we also prayed. We took Our needs to the Lord Jesus. Ministers around us anointed our heads with oil like we did even here today. And we invited the church to pray with us for our healing. Many times I have been healed by the power of the Lord, things small and things great. Just a few weeks ago, I was privileged to join in congregational prayer. For the pastor who prayed for me many times in my youth. I was honored to stand in the front of that building and anoint the man of God who had done the same for me on so many occasions. Incidentally, from the doctor's reports at this point, that congregational prayer has brought healing to the man of God. You know, if you read the Bible, and boy, I hope you are. It's not much written about physicians in the Bible. What's recorded about doctors and physicians is really a lot like our experience today. Sometimes they're recognized in Scripture for good. Sometimes it's recognized that their skills are limited. And other times it's confessed that they weren't very successful in treatment. While reflecting on the sorry status of his beloved Israel, the prophet Jeremiah lamented these words in Jeremiah chapter eight twenty-two. He said, Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is there no recovery for the health of the daughter of my people? It's as if he's saying in modern language, we've got balm, we've got medicine, we have doctors, why aren't people getting better? He made the connection of the value of medicine and doctors. Jesus acknowledged that the sick are the ones who need medicine physicians. But at the same time, under his ministry, when the woman with the issue of blood was healed, the authors recorded that doctors were unable to help her, and she found no solution in them. At the same time, the Gospel Luke is written by a physician. Scripture accepts the benefits of our human efforts at recovery. But at the same time, the Bible tells us there are there are better options. Human treatments are a blessing, yet those who follow Him, those who turn to Him, have access to the Creator of everything. Here's something that that challenges me. In 2 Chronicles 16 and verse 12, the Bible talks about one of the kings. In the 39th year of his reign, Asa became diseased. In his feet, his malady was severe. Yet in his disease, he did not seek the Lord, but the physicians. That that bothers me. Like King Asa, is it possible that you and I might pursue human solutions and ignore the Lord of glory? Can we become people in the society that can be argued no country in the world has better medical care and further science and development than the United States of America? Thank God for that. What a a blessing to have that at our fingertips. But is it possible that we might become like King Asa and forget we know the one who spoke the worlds into existence? Is it possible to forget that we have an option to talk with the Divine and take to Him our needs. I I want us to be reminded that the One who formed us is ready to treat our pains and to minister to our fears, our sickness, and our brokenness. This little series I'm beginning today is in no way against human doctors whether physical or emotional or mental or psychological or uh, those who help us in any way shape or form it's not against medication prescribed by those same physicians that's not what i'm trying to do in this message rather this is a series that would stir and remind that the lord's supernatural power is available and ought to be at the forefront of a Christian's mind. It it ought to be recognized in those who would follow Christ. Jesus is better. And I'm grateful for all the advances, but I appreciate more that I can touch base with the One who gave me life. Often when you talk about messages, you hear sermons about the Lord's healing focus. It's it's about physical things most often. I want to preach a series that highlights the Lord's desire and His ability to minister in here and in here. I hope to somehow, through the foolishness of preaching, communicate his interest and ability to heal on the inside. Such things aren't unique to our times. In the Bible, we read in Job chapter 3 and verse 26, Job, I am not at ease, nor Am I quiet? I have no rest. Trouble comes. Later in the same book, Job said, My heart is in turmoil and I cannot rest. Days of affliction confront me. The psalmist penned in his 73rd psalm, My flesh and my heart fail. God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. In Mark 3, Jesus said to His disciples, Come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and and rest a while. In Mark 6, there were many coming and going and they did not even have time to eat. Jesus said, Come on and step aside a minute. We need to rest. We are overwhelmed by people. We haven't even eaten dinner. Or our physical, there is a need of rest in our bodies. In 2 Corinthians, a couple of passages, Paul references on the front end and on the back end, something that's interesting to me. In 2 Corinthians 2, Paul said, I had no rest in my spirit. Because I did not find Titus, my brother. Something going on relationally there. Something that I needed to have a human connection that wasn't happening. Taking my leave of them, I departed for Macedonia. In the same book, if you jump down to chapter 7 and verse 5, now he talks about arriving. For indeed, when we came to Macedonia... Our bodies had no rest, but we were troubled on every side. Listen to what he pens. Outside were conflicts. Inside were fears. Troubled hearts. Spirits in turmoil. No rest. Internal strife. Perhaps it's heightened because of this past 18 months of COVID lockdowns and changes, but our society is now more aware of mental health. If you pay attention at all, recently some world class athletes have struggled emotionally, they've struggled psychologically, they have shared some of their difficulties. We, we don't know the details and the cases of these young athletes and candidly I hope media doesn't dig in and reveal their private lives. In my opinion, it's none of our stinking business. But I do recognize that there are times when our physical abilities or our intellectual abilities outpace our social and emotional development. When that happens, we might be able to be on the largest stages because of certain areas of development in our lives, but in other areas we just can't manage the things that we'd like to be able to manage. Mental health seems a common topic today. Last week in my promotional emails, the ones I actually sign up for. I received a promotion for a Bible study to help young women with anxiety. This week, in one of the pieces I received, selects a variety of articles around the internet. and It gets shared an article about anxiety and insomnia. We read about Job, said, I can't rest. The psalmist said, I'm not sleeping well. Anxiety and insomnia. I even got a notification for our health insurance provider this week, promoting its tools for stress management. They reported that 70% of Americans said that COVID-19 had made this the most stressful time of their career. This month, I, I finished a book titled The Anxiety Cure by Dr. Archibald Hart. He points out that stress causes anxiety and then he gives some definitions of stress. Stress is being stretched beyond our limits. Whenever you and I are confronted with challenges that we don't seem to be able to cope with or demands that we don't have the skills to deal with, our system goes into emergency mode and our body starts pumping adrenaline and the effects of that is what we call stress. Stress is overextending ourselves without adequate time for recovery. If we got a series of crises that happen in our life, one thing comes on another, our stress level is going to increase dramatically. Stress is believing you can do more than your human form can take. It seems to me that pride might press us into stressful circumstance. Stress, turmoil, trouble, conflict, anxiety. Mental health seems to be on the minds of many. But what about the the other end of the anxious spectrum? What about the other side of debilitating anxiety? What about rest. When you you think about rest, please don't shout out your answers. When you think about rest, what comes to mind for you? When you think about rest, when you need rest, where do you look for rest? I sure hope there's no one in the audience saying, rest, what's that? How do you refresh yourself? How do you recover strength when weary? In what ways do you stop engaging in strenuous or stressful activity? Some immediately think about sleeping and wish they had more. Some look for time alone or time with people. Some think about time away. Some dream of vacations, short or long adventures in some other place. Some people think rest is bundled in a binge of a Netflix show, and others turned to family and close relationships. This week, while preparing this message, I looked at the glass of the beverage I was drinking. I think it was an iced coffee. It might have been an iced tea. And on the side of the cup, it said this from noted naturalist John Muir, Come to the woods, for here is rest many many feel the same way what happens what happens when we're not rested what happens what's the effect of weariness what's the effect of weakness what happens when we are consistently depleted and worn down when i was still young in ministry i remember going to my pastor's office Brother Mark Jordan, pastor that my wife was raised in that congregation under his leadership, and we served there for a number of years. I needed advice on ministry, and Brother Jordan is an amazing leader and mentor and he's got experience in, in many facets of ministry. The ministry opportunities had been opening up for me and I began preaching outside of our local assembly at some other churches and other meetings. And I got to preaching at meetings where there were multiple services. We don't do much of that in this day and age and in this metro area, but used to be you would have a number of services in a row. And what I would do a lot of is I would preach Friday night, then I'd preach Saturday night, then I'd preach Sunday morning, then I'd preach Sunday night. That happened a lot. Sometimes there were more services over three days or there were more days. But I I found out that come Sunday afternoon, I preached three services and there was one more to go. And I didn't want to go. I was finished. I, I couldn't get inspired for one more church service. In fact, I thought, you know what, what if I didn't just show up? I'll call in. I'll let them know I enjoy being here, but I'm headed back home. Y'all have a great time tonight. God bless you. Rather than continue with very little inspiration, hear me a minute, rather than try to keep going when I was worn out and weak, you know what I thought about? I thought about quitting. I thought about walking away. Boy, I was worried about my spirituality. I was concerned about my carnality. Surely I was in the middle of some fierce spiritual battle and I needed the insight of a long-term victorious warrior. And so I went to the church office and I knocked on Pastor Jordan's door and I told him my story. He smiled and chuckled. I'm like, what? He said, of course you're feeling that. happens all the time. You're just tired. Excuse me? You're worn out. You've expended spiritual energy and mental energy and social energy and emotional energy for three services and you're just out of gas for that final service. It happens all the time. To preach that final service with proper focus, I needed rest and it was more than a nap but I needed rest in those emotional and social and spiritual areas as well and so with practice I, I learned how to better prepare for a series of services, I learned how to build my reserves prior, I, I learned how to set aside rest during a meeting and I-, I learned how to remain strong for the duration of those services but I hear me today my core problem wasn't carnality or a battle with the devil I just needed rest and without it I was ready to quit when consistently depleted come on quitting feels like an option doesn't it I want us to think today I'm asking lots of questions I make no apologies Why are we weary? What is it that's draining us physically? What wearies us socially? What's straining us emotionally? Why are we intellectually drained? What is sapping us spiritually? And when we're weary, what do we do to renew our strength in these various areas. Sometimes as a pastor and personally, I wonder, are we applying the right solutions to our weariness? I mean... The prescription we give ourselves when we're tired, is that the right prescription? I I guess what I'm asking this is, am I doing the equivalent of, I I have a bad headache and so I choose some Tums tablets? Am I doing the equivalent of that in these other things? For instance, weary emotionally and so I get myself a big old dinner. Primarily food reserves physical strength. How does that big meal rejuvenate emotional energy? Am I making sense? What about those who are, you know what, I'm just worn out intellectually. My mind is turned into mush. Work today, the kids, a family, everything has drugged me down intellectually, and I just need to chill out some. And so we binge watch a show that is emotionally draining or spiritually draining. Why do we do that? We're physically weary. And so we turn to some other kind of media that saps intellectual energy. Our author, Mark Buchanan, points out this. He says, Wise people ask this, Does the path I'm walking lead to a place I want to go? And if I keep heading this way, will I like where I arrive? Do we search for places of rest? that don't replenish our need. Before moving here to Everett, God's country for sure. The church that my family and I attended had two services every Sunday, one at 10 a.m., one at 6.30. In nice weather, I started cycling in the afternoons between services sometimes 30, 40 mile bike rides. As this continued in my life I noticed that as the preaching began I was sleepy during Sunday night service. I was not alert to what was happening. My head is nodding down. Now I could argue that cycling benefits me mentally and additionally physically but I stopped riding on Sunday afternoon. Why? Because it limited my spiritual renewal opportunity. When emotionally drained, hear me today, if you and I come into a service like this and we are emotionally expended, can I ask what's left for worship? If you and I pursue the things of God, when we leave our devotional time to the end of the day, our reading of Scripture to the end of the day, and our minds are ripped intellectually. We are exhausted intellectually. How many of those words really jump off the pages of God's writ into my mind and spirit? You all with me? I'm wondering about how we expend rest and when we choose rest. Does my pursuit of physical or social rest come at the expense of spiritual rest? I've been in ministry now 30 plus years. I've watched people who bought a boat, started expending their energies in the rest of boating on the weekends, and chasing that rest They also invited spiritual weakness that put their soul in trouble and in some cases destroyed them. Because they were taking Tums for a headache. You all with me? I've witnessed decent people ignorantly golf themselves. Golf. 18 holes. Golf themselves into kingdom exhaustion there was nothing left for God. Before we quickly prescribe ourselves all manner of societal rest, I have to ask is pursuing such things at odds with our spiritual rest? Now I'm not here to preach about how to be rested emotionally or how to be rested physically or how to be rested socially. I do think there's differences in all of those areas and we need to pay attention to them. But my main concern is, what am I doing to renew my strength in God? How am I regularly rejuvenating my spiritual input and inspiration? What am I doing to keep that going? What's what's the proper prescription for spiritual rest? When I'm feeling drained, am I even trying to recognize what I'm weary of or why I'm weary? And do I just instead say, you know what I need to do? I need to sleep in on Saturday. Shoot, I missed a lot of church during COVID anyway. I'll pick it up online. Now I'm being a pastor. Pastor. Come on. I'm wondering if we're accessing what's better. What's better? Look at this passage in Jeremiah. I believe it speaks to some of us today. Jeremiah 6.16, Thus says the Lord. Listen to the words of the Lord to the people of Jeremiah the prophet is speaking to. Stand in the ways and see and ask for the old paths where the good way is and and walk in it then you will find rest for your souls the prophet challenges them look you need to you're you're not in a right place spiritually you're not in a right place you're not strong like you need to be you've got access to better things and you're ignoring it and the prophet says look back Look back to when you enjoyed the power of my presence. Look back to when you felt strong spiritually, regardless of what was happening socially or emotionally or physically. Take a look back to those times where you were strong. And the the prophet says, go back to that. Walk in those paths. Live in those places. Take an evaluation. of What was I doing when I was feeling strong? And go back to those places and walk in them once again. I, I preach today for some of us. Today's reminder is it's time to return to old habits that were genuinely filling our spiritual needs. I'm preaching today that we need to return to some things that perhaps we just have allowed to slip. Some things, that be it COVID, or sickness, or the job, or fun, or I don't know what did it, but some things slipped out of the way, and now I'm not feeling God like I used to feel God, and I'm not inspired, and I'm not ready, and I'm not feeling His presence as I once did. Can I preach today? Go back to those things that bring rest to your soul, that bring rest to that inner part and being that is only satisfied by the things of God. I'm preaching today the things that are better than a vacation, that are better than a good night's sleep, that are, are better than a great delicate meal, that are great than an evening with friends, that are better than sound counseling, hear me today. Not against any of those things, but it's about time, perhaps, For you and I to confess what I need is not more of the rest that is sold by mere humanity. What I need more of is rest for my soul. It's my soul that's crying out. It's my soul that is weary. It's my soul that needs the power of a holy God to rejuvenate me. I offer one more observation and we're going to pray. Perhaps today when I offer the prophet's words to look back at a time when spiritual strength was there. Perhaps you're listening today and you can't relate. You've not lived in those times. You don't have a God history per se there's not previous soul resting experience in your life and perhaps today you would join all of us and simply hear Jesus invitation Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28 Jesus made it so clear come to me come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come, ask, invite, but more than that, he says in verse 9, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. I think it's important we realize that Jesus saw that humans need rest. Jesus was addressing a need that is very real to humanity. He's aware of it. He's compassionate toward this need and he offers his solution. Why did Jesus say, Come to me and I'll give you rest for your souls? Why didn't Jesus say to the crowd that day, Listen, you need to just get a good night's sleep? Why didn't he say, You know what, you should do is take a few days off and go to your cabin over in Nazareth or Bethlehem or one of the nearby areas? You know what you need? You need a day at the beach, head down to Galilee and hang out with a fisherman get some fresh seafood over a fire it's not what Jesus said he wasn't against those things but he recognized what you need is not going to be satisfied in those human rests, rather what you need you will find in me and if you will attach yourself to me if you'll associate with me if you will align and partner with me, you be able to discover and to gain spiritual insight. Jesus said as we do that, as we approach Him, as we align with Him, as we partner with Him, it's not a difficult road, but there's strength for our souls. That's where it's at is in Him. I just invite everybody in the sound of my voice here in this building, present online right now, or watching in time to come. Would you accept Christ's invitation? Come to me. Come to me. Would you talk to Him? Would you invite His rests? Right now, some are already doing so. Whether that means bow your head, would you talk to the Lord right now? He's saying, come to me. Would you just have a conversation with Him and say, Lord, I will. I need what you have to offer. Maybe that means bowing your head and closing your eyes. Maybe it means raising a hand in surrender and calling out to His name. But just be sincere and genuine and real with God right now. It's a wonderful thing that's happening all over this room. And I'm sure it's happening in homes and those that are viewing online. But the Spirit of the Lord is real. The power of God is true, and the Lord's calling is genuine. When He said it to His disciples years ago, come to me, that promise still stands, that invitation still stands, that, that opportunity remains young and old. Come on, talk to the Lord right now. Our rest is in Him. I've been worn out, preacher, I understand. Listen, I hope you can figure out all the other stuff socially and emotionally and physically, but I preach today what is better is having rest in our soul. What is better is being strengthened and refreshed in our spirit. It was the prophet Isaiah who spoke about the Holy Spirit, and he said this is the rest with which you cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing. I let you know today if it's been a while since the Spirit of the Lord has been stirred up within you right now is an opportunity right now is a time You've been listening to the Living Faith Everett podcast series Tune in next week for the next part of the series or join us online at livingfaithministries.church The, in the Holy Ghost Give me peace